Good morning, Covenant Network, and a good Wednesday to you on this Wednesday, May 25th. A somber morning for us this morning. And I can think of no better way to begin the morning than to begin with prayer. So this morning we are going to pray our morning offering as usual. And we will pray our memorari as we have been doing in this month of May. But then also we will offer a prayer for the souls of the departed uh, killed in yesterday's tragic shooting in Texas. And so we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Remember, O Most Gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. And we offer a prayer for the victims of yesterday's shooting. We pray for those who grieve their loss and all those affected by this tragedy. As we pray, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord, and let perpetual light shine upon them. And may the souls of all the faithful departed, through the mercy of God, rest in peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm just going to say this. I don't know what to say this morning. That is about where, probably about the only place I can start. Um, I don't have words that will make sense of what has happened. I don't have words that I think will comfort those affected by what has happened. I don't have words to offer a solution to the problem of evil in the world. And so I'm not going to try to come up with any words. Um, It's not that I want to ignore things, but I know that my words would fail, and so I don't want to... I don't want to offer useless words. About the only thing I feel confident in is this. We live in an era where more and more we see despicable acts of violence, despicable acts of evil. And we know that at its core, this is rooted in a deeper spiritual warfare, the the war between good and evil, between Satan, the devil, the fallen angels, and God. And we know, we know who wins in the end. But we also know that the battle is fierce and rages around us. And that we can't just say, well, God wins, so we will be all right. No, we have to stick close to him so that we will be all right. I I think of something Father Richard Heilman shared with us right before Lent on the show talking about his, his journal that we draw close to the Father for his protection, and I can think of no better way to do that than to go to the Blessed Mother with the rosary, with our intentions, and ask her to lead us closer to her son, who then in turn leads us closer to the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit as well. 
So as I have no words, and yet saying I have no words took about four minutes there, I'll just move on to this. Today on the show, we have a lot to get to today. We're going to be on the road this morning. As I mentioned last week, I was down in Irondale, Alabama, in Birmingham, um, visiting EWTN Studios, and I had a great chance to sit down with Father Mitch Pacwa. Actually, I had two chances, one that we recorded for the show today. The other one was a dinner, and, and both were just marvelous. Um, second, we're going to be talking with Bishop Joseph Coffey today, a, a, an auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese for Military Services. We'll hear his story of his vocation, a little bit about the Archdiocese, what they do, and why they're important. And then he has some reminders for us, because Memorial Day is coming up next week, Monday, and how do we observe that as Catholics? We'll talk about that. Um, it's a conversation we actually had a few weeks ago that, that we wanted to bring you this week, but due to the busy schedules of bishops, we had to do the interview a few weeks ago. So we'll bring that to you today as well. But before we can get to any of that, let's go to Mike Roberts. Today is the feast day of St. Bede, the Venerable Doctor of the Church. Born in England in 673 at the age of seven, and after surviving a plague, he was sent to the Benedictine monastery Monquermoth in the kingdom of Northumbria, England. Here, Bede thrived in every way. He was a deacon at 19, ordained at 30, and while still a young man, made abbot of the monastery at St. Paul. He was a gifted leader, but also a great scholar, teacher, historian, and writer. In fact, very quickly, Bede became known as a brilliant saint in his own time. He was an expert at CompuPuts, the science of calculating calendar dates, especially Easter, which at the time was the object of extensive disagreement. And he was considered to be one of the most important scholars of the early Middle Ages. And his work, The Ecclesiastical History of the English People, was a template for writing history. Kings and popes constantly asked Bede to come to them and stay, and while he traveled extensively, the monastery always remained his home. He died in 753 while saying his favorite prayer, Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. St. Bede, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Welcome back to Roadmap to Heaven. I'm Adam Wright. Happy to be on the road today. And and when I say on the road, this is the farthest we've ever gone with the show to Birmingham, Alabama. We are at the world headquarters of EWTN television and radio. And our next guest needs no introduction. He's the host of EWTN Live, Scripture and Tradition, uh, regular on Open Line Wednesday, Father Mitch Pacwa. Father, good to be with you today. Same here. How are you doing? Welcome to the mothership. We're always talking about practical ideas to grow mm-hmm. in holiness. And, you know, Father, I think over the years working in the church, I've heard so many people say that our, our Protestant brothers and sisters accuse the Catholics of not knowing our Scripture. And then the common Catholic rebuttal is, oh, no, if you go to Mass every day, if you pray the Liturgy of the Hours, you're going to go through all of the scriptures in a matter of time, and that's well and good, but you're a scripture scholar. I wanted to ask you today, why should Catholics be praying with the scriptures outside of the Mass and outside of the Liturgy of the Hours? Yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, something that is extremely fruitful is for Catholics to look ahead to the Sunday readings. And by the way, there are apps that you can get to do that. If I don't know how to tell you how to do that. Find a teenager. They'll show you how to do it. <laughs> I don't have any teenagers, but there are enough um, uh, semi-mature uh, engineers around this place to help me do it. <laughs> 
So I learned from them. But look up the passages and start praying over them before Sunday. Start on Monday. Uh, and you know we have four readings to choose from on Sundays. You could probably spend the whole week just on the gospel, depending on what the gospel is, but there are the other readings as well. And it's very important to remember what Moses had said, followed by many of the prophets uh, in the Old Testament. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from God. A good example of the importance of this is in the wonderful book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a psychologist. When he was a young man and a psychologist, he was arrested by the Nazis and put in Auschwitz. And after the liberation and the war was over, he returned to his home in Austria. He reflected a lot on those who survived. It was not the athletes. It was not the well-fed or the rich. It was not the health nuts, as we would call them today. Um, they were not the ones to survive. It was the people with religious purpose and with a commitment to their family. They had a meaning in life. And even though they had uh, oftentimes less body fat when, and less muscle when they arrived at Auschwitz, all of them were worked extremely hard. The, the Nazis were trying to work them to death if they didn't outright execute them in the um, gas chambers. But the ones who made it were the ones with purpose and meaning, and especially the religious people and family people. That would be an extreme case, but it shows how important it is to know who you are before God, who God is. And what is the purpose of life? And we're going to find that in the sacred scriptures. The Lord reveals himself to us very much the way parents talk about themselves to their children. You know, I'm sure you have a number of children. I'm sure that every one of your kids said, well, how did you and mommy meet? Yeah. Right? Yeah. They want to know that. There are some things that you tell about your relationship when they're a bit older. There's some things that you, you give a very simple story at the outset. Mommy was the prettiest woman I'd ever seen and the nicest woman I ever met in my whole life, and I just fell in love with her and I had to make sure I married her. You give a simple story. Exactly. But you move on to more rich aspects of it and i'm sure your wife might have a perspective <laughs> as well and so you, you tell well the same is true with scripture that you know as israel is in its earlier stages of development as a tribal society their understanding of god is not real clear 
It gets more and more clear as they develop as a society, and the prophets help them to see it. In fact, it's uh, the, the prophet Amos in chapter 8 who says, wrote down that the, I will send a famine upon the land, not a famine of bread, but of the word of God, and that will destroy the people. This was a deeper understanding. They thought, well, if we just do what we have to do, the bare minimum, then God said that we'll have prosperity and our animals will have young and we'll have babies and there'll be plenty of grain, wine, and oil and everything will be great. Whereas, you know, the prophet, you know, helped them deepen their understanding to see that if you don't have the word of God, there is a famine. The word of God, is this source for meaning. And again, there will be a deepening of it. It will be beyond the Ten Commandments to a wide variety of problems in life. But having that kind of uh, richness and abundance of the Word of God in our lives can save our lives on lots of levels, whether by people avoiding murder simply because they don't want to go to hell. I can live with that motive, and so could the victims of crime. And a further sense of God being the one to guarantee rights to property and you don't steal, and all the rest. And then you see the great development, because I'm sure you had to teach your kids right from wrong. And then as time went on, when they moved from, if you don't, you're in time out. If you don't share your toys with your sister, you are in time out, right? Exactly. And exactly. then later on, they learned to appreciate, oh, it's so wonderful to have a sister. Probably sometime after they've <laughs> yeah. left the house. <laughs> well, I tell you what, Father, if, if it's all right, I have one more question I yep. want to ask you, but I want to take a, a real quick break for our listeners. Here. Sure. We'll be right back, friends. Around your phone more than your radio? Download the Covenant Net app on iOS and Android. We are back. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven, coming to you from the exact same studio, Father, where you do Open Line Wednesday. Mm-hmm. I feel kind of humbled to be sitting in Jack Williams' chair here, um, but here Actually, we are. Actually, you're sitting in my chair. Oh. I'm sitting in Jack's. We're, we're, we got some role reversal going the, on here, friends. Life so. is topsy-turvy. It's a crazy world. Well, the phones aren't going <laughs> to ring because it, it, it's not open line time. So here's the question I'll bring for our listeners. We're talking about going deeper with the scriptures today, mm-hmm. and you gave us the why to go deeper. Now I'm thinking of the families with children, and, and you're saying start with those Sunday readings earlier in the week. How can our listeners, if, if they say, I, I haven't prayed with scripture in a long time. I don't remember how to do it. Okay. Where do they begin? Okay. A couple things you can do. One. Very simple, especially if you have small children. Start off praying the family rosary. And if you have really small kids, do one decade together. Their attention spans are short. So pray a decade, but bring with you that little, wonderful little book, and there are a variety of these books, called A Scriptural Rosary, where you talk about a mystery and, and cite just one of the passages. Again, if you have little kids, you can only do so much. You, you don't start your one-year-old with a steak. You know, they have to go through the pureed food. And so give them a little bit and say, now see what Jesus did over here in the Bible? And you start off with small verses. 
And then as time goes on and their attention, attention span grows, you can do more of the rosary and maybe a few more verses of scripture. But also do the same in your own adult praying of the rosary. Another thing you can do, especially if you're praying with the Gospels, imagine yourself in the scene. I, I wrote a couple of books uh, called Praying the Scriptures. Uh, and uh, one of them is called Jesus Launches His Ministry. I try to give some of the images. I know the Holy Land well. I have a good sense of the text. And I try to give background so people can get an imaginative sense and then put themselves into the scene when Jesus is casting the demon out of the man in the synagogue. Try to picture yourself sitting on the floor of the synagogue. It was, in fact, made out of uh, a dark gray basalt. The, the, the foundation is still there, still there from the time of Christ. And imagine yourself sitting on that floor on a mat, and all of a sudden this demon-possessed guy gets up and starts yelling at Jesus. What would that be like? What would be your reaction? No, put yourself into the scene. Or given some of the problems that we have in our own lives, imagine yourself as being that demon-possessed guy. You're out of control. Just like a lot of people using drugs today are out of control. People addicted to pornography. People addicted to uh, alcohol. All kinds of things that go on. And it seems like this other voice takes control of my life. And I need Jesus to come and tell him to be silent and get out and put yourself depending on your circumstance into the scene and you can do that with the rest of the gospel scenes and the parables and then the final thing I would say is after you imagine being there picture yourself talking to Jesus about what you just pictured in your mind what would Jesus say to you about your own life? What would you say to Jesus? Well, Jesus, I'm, I never meant to get addicted to drugs, but I tried it once and bam, I just was hooked and I don't know how to get rid of this. And whatever the conversation might be. Or there are people in my family who are addicted and I don't know how to deal with them. Jesus, you are more powerful than that. And or what? let the conversation go back and forth. And in that way, you pray in the scriptures and Bring it into your own life and let Jesus come into your life using the Bible. Perfect. I think that's that's a great starting point for all of us. Father, I'm grateful for having the time to sit down and talk with you here on our show. And it's been a joy to have you on Roadmap to Heaven. Could I ask you to close our time together with a prayer? Sure. May the Lord bless you all and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord, who sent the Holy Spirit to inspire the sacred scriptures, also fill you with the love of listening to him speak to you in the scriptures and a gift of understanding what the Holy Spirit has inspired. Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. By the time we come back from this break, I will be in our studios in St. Louis, Missouri, and we'll have more of the show for you to come. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. 
We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. It is a privilege and an honor to speak with our next guest, Bishop Joseph Coffey from the Archdiocese for Military Services here in the United States of America. Your Excellency, it is so good to have you with us today. Well, thank you very, very much. It's almost like coming home. You know, I did spend three years living in St. Louis and really enjoyed myself there very, very much. Yeah, in fact, I think that's where you and I first met. You were living at the Cathedral Basilica, and Mm -hmm. I was working in the music office part-time, and one day at lunch we crossed paths and someone said, oh, this is, uh, at the time, Father Joe Coffey. Right, right. Um, It was a pleasure to meet you there. Now, your Excellency, one of the things I think our listeners really wonder, um, what is the Archdiocese for Military Services, and who serves in that? And, and especially, I, you know, I think of the diocese here, say, where I live, in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. It's a territorial thing. Mm-hmm. And so any any man that goes to be a priest for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, nine times out of ten, is a guy that grew up or lives within that territorial boundary of St. Louis. But if I understand this correctly, that's not really the case. So I think the best way to ask this is, what is your story? How did you come into the Archdiocese for Military Services? And, and who, who is in that diocese? That is a great question, and I get asked that all the time. When I tell people that I'm with the military archdiocese, they often say, oh, what's that? And so the best way to describe it is anyone who's Catholic in our military, that would be the Army, the Navy, the Air Force, Marine Corps, Coast Guard, Space Force, while they're in the military, they belong to the military archdiocese. And because we have members in the military all over the world, geographically speaking, it's the largest archdiocese in the world. So we have Archbishop Brolio, he's the archbishop. And he's headquartered in Washington, D.C., right down the street from Catholic University. And he has four auxiliary bishops who help him. So Bishop Spencer covers all the U.S. bases east of the Mississippi River, so that would be 72 bases. Bishop Buckin has all of our bases west of the Mississippi River. Bishop Mum has all of our U.S. bases in Europe and Asia, so he covers 10 time zones. And I have all the veterans' hospitals in the U.S.A., which is over 150 veterans' hospitals. So as you can see, it's a huge territory, the whole world, and so that's what Archbishop Brolio is tasked with, to be the shepherd of all our U.S. military all over the world, and our veterans, and all of our diplomatic outposts around the world. He's also the Archbishop for them. Wow. Big job. That, that is a big job. Now, when we think of that, though, um, you know, are, are the men that come to serve as priests in the military archdiocese necessarily men that were in the military before they went into seminary? Or, or where do those priests come from to serve these faithful? That's another great question. And oftentimes people ask Archbishop Rolio if he, if he ordains his own priest, and he does not. All of the priests that work as chaplains in the Army, the Navy, and the Air Force Chaplain Corps, there's three distinct chaplain corps, but they all fall under the military archdiocese, and all the priests that work in our veterans' hospitals, they're all endorsed by Archbishop Brolio. So he says to the Department of Defense, this priest is a real priest. He has, he has this education from this seminary, has this many years of experience, and so he endorses them. Without that endorsement, he cannot serve as a military chaplain. So all of the priests, 
come from either a diocese or a religious order, and they are on loan to the military diocese with the permission of their local bishop or their religious superior for X number of years. It could be three years or it could be 20 years. Without that endorsement from the local bishop, a priest can serve, and without the endorsement of the archbishop of the military, a priest can serve in the military or as a veterans administration chaplain. All right, so I hope that makes that clear. That, that does make sense and makes that clear, but it leads to a whole other question here because you keep saying uh, they they cannot serve, and you know typically when I think of serve, I think of my parish priest who serves in his assignment as the right. pastor. But you're saying that Archbishop Rolio then endorses them with the military itself, so these priests then are serving as uh, I, I don't know if the the words officers or. Or yep, they are officers. Absolutely, they're 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 military officers with a rank, like any other officer. So you have the medical corps, the dental corps, the supply corps, and you also have the chaplain corps. So the chaplain corps is made up of of religious people from many many different denominations: Catholic, Protestant, Jewish, Muslim. There's about two hundred different denominations that are recognized by the Department of Defense. So while they serve in the military, they have a rank and they are an officer. So you're an officer and a chaplain. So you're called a staff corps officer, like a medical corps staff, or the, the JAG Corps, for example, or the lawyer, that's the JAG Corps. So that they're, they're staff corps officers as opposed to line officers in the Navy, where a line officer would be the one who drives the ship, the ship's captain. And then the ship's captain, on a, like a, let's say an aircraft carrier, has many different staff corps officers that help him like the medical corps, the dental corps, the supply corps, and the chaplain corps. Wow. All right, so that's kind of a the elevated view, the 30,000-foot view, mm-hmm. as they say, of the military archdiocese and how a priest would come to serve in the archdiocese on loan from their respective diocese for a period of time and actually serving right. as an officer. But I want to get to the specific here. You... And before you were bishop, auxiliary bishop for the military archdiocese, you were actually one of these men who served as I a sure priest was. in the military. So how did that come about? Well, it's a great story, and every chaplain has their story, just like every priest or religious sister has their vocation story. But it's really, it's, it, the way to think about it, it's, it's a call within the call. The first call is to be a priest. And you can either be a diocesan priest or a religious order priest. You can work in a parish or a hospital or a school. But a small number of priests also serve as military chaplains, as I just explained. So the way that works is you normally you get recruited. So priests who are working as chaplains, one of their duties for X number of years, and I did it in St. Louis, was you go around to the seminaries telling the, the guys about the chaplain candidate program, and then if their bishop gives them permission, they can do that. And that's how I got recruited. When I was at St. Charles Seminary in Philadelphia, I was studying to be a, a diocesan priest for Philadelphia, and I met a recruiter. He was an Air Force priest chaplain recruiter. So his job was to go to the seminaries, talk about the chaplain candidate program, and that is you have to have, you have to be an officer to be a chaplain. So to get a commission as an officer, you either go to a, let's say Annapolis or West Point or the Air Force Academy, or you go to ROTC with college, or you go to college and then you go to officer candidate school. They're the normal ways to get a commission as an officer. 
Well, there's a certain number of positions that are in the professional ranks, like doctors and lawyers and nurses and chaplains, where you can get direct commission. And what that means is if you already have your college degree and you're in graduate school, then you can raise your right hand and you become an officer. It's really a wonderful program. It's called a direct commission. And that's how I got involved, because I got, uh, I got recruited out of the seminary, and I asked Archbishop Bevilacqua, my bishop in Philadelphia, and he said, yep, I'll let you be a chaplain candidate, but I will give you no guarantees you can go on active duty, because they're two different things. One is the reserve program, where you're just a candidate while you're in seminary taking a look, and the Navy takes a look at you. So it's a really a great program, because there's really no commitment. Because if I didn't like it, I could have said, you know what, this isn't really for me. I don't really want to be a Navy chaplain after all. Then that's no problem. But I did love it after uh, after I was in the seminary. Uh, I, was on, um, I was in the reserve, and I, I did some training in San Diego and other places. And then after I got ordained in 1996, I spent five years as a parish priest, which I loved that also. But I really felt called to be a Navy chaplain on active duty, and that's when Cardinal Bevilacqua gave me that permission to serve on active duty. And initially it was for three years, and it ended up being almost 20. And then I got ordained to be an auxiliary bishop for the military archdiocese. So that's how it worked for me. Now, I'm doing some math in my head here, uh, Bishop <laughs> Coffey, because you said okay. you were ordained in 1996. Right. You served for five years as a parish priest. Right. And that puts that us right in 2001. And, you know, everyone, uh, you know, sadly with the young kids, they can't answer the question, do you remember where you were? Because they weren't born yet. But I right. remember exactly where I was. I was at St. Louis University in my yep. dorm. Yep. So what did that mean for you? I mean, you're going on active duty right as things are heating up in the Middle East. Well, I can tell you exactly what happened for me. So I was five years ordained. I got the permission to go on active duty, which I was very happy about. I went down to Camp Johnson, which is next to Camp Lejeune, North Carolina. So I'm now in training with other Navy chaplains about to go on active duty with the Marines. That's why we were down there for training. And we were in the gas mask drill. That's this horrible drill where you have to wear a gas mask, you take it off, and you got to learn how to use it well. It's very uncomfortable. You get gas in your eyes, and it's very discombobulating. Well, we came out of that drill when they came running out of the classroom, just screaming at us to get in the classroom. So we thought we were in trouble. We thought we were going to do some push-ups. Well, we go into the classroom, and on the television set was 9-11 happening live. So that's something I will never forget till the day I die. The feeling that I had was I'm now going on active duty with the Marines, and I'm watching this obvious terrorist attack. And I'm thinking to myself, I might go to war and I might die because chaplains have died on the battlefield, even though we're non-combatants, things happen. So I was feeling afraid and I was feeling sick to my stomach. That's how I started my active duty career. That is fascinating. Uh Friends, I think this is a good point to take a really quick break. We're talking with Bishop Joseph Coffey, the auxiliary bishop for one of the auxiliary bishops for the Archdiocese for Military Services. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. We will be back in just a few moments. Prayer for our country. Almighty God, bless our nation and make it true to the ideas of freedom and justice and brotherhood for all who make it great. Guard us from war, from fire and wind from compromise, fear, and confusion. 
Be close to our president and our statesmen. Give them vision and courage as they ponder decisions affecting peace and the future of the world. Make me more deeply aware of my heritage, realizing not only my rights, but also my duties and responsibilities as a citizen. Make this great land and all its people know clearly your will, that they may fulfill the destiny ordained for us in the salvation of the nations and the restoring of all things in Christ. Amen. And we are back. If you're just joining us, we are talking with Bishop Joseph Coffey, one of the auxiliary bishops for the Archdiocese for Military Services. And uh, right before the break, Bishop Coffey, you were telling us about how you, you came out of the gas mask drill, and they're they're yelling and screaming for you to get to the classroom, which I imagine is not an uncommon thing when you're in, in these training camps to be yelled at and screamed at to do this and do the other thing. But that's when you go into the classroom and you're watching 9-11 happen on the TV screen. I wonder, right. at any point, did you have that moment of saying, wow, I'm not sure this is for me? Because it, I, you, you said it became very clear that you would probably be going somewhere and there was a chance that even as a noncombatant, you could be killed while on duty as a chaplain for the military. Right. Yeah, that was why, that was why it was so dramatic for me, because I just left a nice, safe rectory in Philadelphia where I was getting three meals a day and a nice, nice comfy bed, and it was just a beautiful ministry. And I now know that I'm going on active duty with the Marines. I already even knew my assignment. I was going to the Combat Assault Battalion in Okinawa, Japan. And it hit me very, very real uh, that this could be battle for me, and not that I'd be in the battle, but I could be part of the battle. And uh, and I thought, well, if, if, if this is where God wants me to serve, I'm going to be serving. So I never for a moment regretted my decision, ever. And as it turned out, we did not go to Afghanistan or Iraq at that point. The Marines I served with in Okinawa at a later date did go to Okinawa, I mean, did go to Afghanistan and Iraq. But a couple years later, I did serve for seven months in Afghanistan with Marines. And I was very aware of the fact that even though I was a noncombatant, I could still get blown up or get shot by a sniper. So I spent a lot of time praying rosaries and praying to live in a state of grace and just always had to be ready just in case. But that was why I was there, to help the Marines and the sailors to be ready as, as well as they can. And if I could just for a moment quote the great late St. John Paul II, who grew up in Poland underground, he said that military was an honorable profession. And so I always told the Marines, the soldiers and sailors that, that they should be very proud of what they were doing and serving our country. And then I could offer them Mass and hear confessions and give them absolution, all those things that a priest does. And that's how I served, and uh, I did it for almost 20 years on active duty. I was always grateful for that opportunity. I never took it for granted because I knew priests wanted to serve and their bishops couldn't spare them. So I had a very, very wonderful career as a Navy chaplain, and that's why I'm so happy to be a, a bishop now with the Veterans Affairs where I can go and talk to the veterans about their service and thank them for what they did for our country. I've, I've been very blessed. Bishop Coffey, as you tell your story, one of the things I think of is a a passage of the gospel where our Lord says, there is no greater love than this to lay down one's life for a friend. And I mean, right right there in in the battlefield, that is not just what our soldiers were 
ready to to do lay down their life for a friend but also that you were willing to do to bring the sacraments to bring the faith to these men and women in uniform Mm -hmm. why is that so important i mean i i can't imagine what it would be like to be in an active war zone i have several family members who have served i have heard their stories and even with that i cannot imagine what it's like for them why is Mm -hmm. it so important for us to have these chaplains well, the chaplains have been around ever since the very, very beginning of our country. The Continental Congress saw the need for chaplains, and they not only provided the spiritual needs for their, uh, the soldiers, but also they were some of the original um, teachers. Of uh, They were like, um, uh, they were teachers of the various um, subjects, so because they were, you know, well-educated people, and they could help pass on knowledge to, to our earliest soldiers and sailors. But we've always had the understanding that as military, we have um, certain rights and obligations, but one of the rights we have is the right to practice our faith. So that's why we have chaplains of different denominations. So as a Catholic priest, I'm able to provide the sacraments for our Catholic members, but also as a military chaplain, I'm able to facilitate for others so that I make sure that people of other denominations are able to receive the the care that they need for the, from their spiritual leaders, and then we care for all. So even if someone has no faith, we will still take care of them. We will still provide counseling and, and anything that we could do to help them. So they're the three roles of a chaplain, to provide for our own, facilitate for others, and care for all. And that's something that every chaplain of every denomination takes very seriously. So I was there to make sure our Catholic members could go to Mass, have absolution, receive uh, the sacrament of the sick, last rites, whatever they might need, do weddings, funerals, all the things that a priest does in a parish, we were able to do for our military members. We have been talking about the role of our military chaplains, hearing the story of Bishop Joseph Coffey here. And Your Excellency, before we uh, let you go, and we're very grateful for the time you spent with us this morning, we have an opportunity as the lay faithful here in the United States from the comfort of our homes or cars or wherever we may be listening right now to, in, in a spiritual sense, join in that work, not just praying for the men and women currently serving, but I think of the upcoming Memorial Day holiday. And uh, I told you before the interview, I was very privileged to spend several years working at a little parish in South St. Louis called St. Bernadette immediately adjacent to Jefferson Barracks Military Base and Jefferson Barracks National Cemetery. So not a not a single day that I went to the parish uh, went by without me seeing the graves of those who have served. And I think of the beautiful memorials to those especially that have given their lives in combat that paid the ultimate price. I've been privileged to attend uh, a few funerals for servicemen and women who died on active duty And it's a very humbling thing. And so with Memorial Day coming up, I know that we have an obligation to do a spiritual work of mercy, to pray for the dead. This is a great opportunity for us, though, isn't it? I mean, to pray for these servicemen and women who have given the ultimate sacrifice in defense of our country? Yes, absolutely. Thanks very, very much for bringing that up to all your listeners. Oftentimes when I go through an airport wearing my uniform, people would come up to me and say, thank you for your service. And that really feels good when people thank us for that. But one of the things we can do besides thanking our, our military members for serving while they're on duty, but to pray for those who have made the ultimate sacrifice, which 
we know as Catholics is a spiritual work of mercy to pray for the dead. We get that right out of the book of Maccabees, where it says it's a, it's a good thing to pray for the dead. So that's what we do in a very, very special way. As a nation, we remember all those who died on Memorial Day. It's not just the unofficial start to summer, which is always exciting because it's right around my birthday, and I love summertime. It's not just to have a barbecue or a sale at the car lot, but it's the actual day to remember those who have died in battle for our nation, wearing the uniform. So as Catholics, that's a perfect opportunity to maybe go to Mass that day and to offer up your prayers for those who have died. It's a very beautiful thing to do, so thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to, to, to affirm what you have said also about that. Now, before we let you go, I want to ask one follow-up question to that, because I think of my time as a music director, and and when we have funerals, you know, we talk about the purpose of the funeral, to pray for the repose of the soul who has died, but also Mm -hmm. to comfort those who mourn. And as you've been with families of soldiers who have given their lives, I wonder if you could just offer a, a brief witness of the power of these prayers. I mean, these families might not know that Adam Wright is praying for the repose of the soul of their loved right. one, or our listeners are praying for them, but they know that people are praying for them. Does that bring them comfort? Is is Are we achieving that goal? Oh, yes. As a chaplain, as you can imagine, for almost 20 years on active duty and an additional eight years in the reserve, I've been to countless military funerals where I've been able to offer the prayers for the dead, and to bless the, uh, the servicemen and women who have died, and to comfort the family with our prayers. So that brings a tremendous amount of comfort to people, uh, especially those with faith, and even those maybe uh, the, the offspring of service members who have died. Maybe they're not practicing the same way their mom or dad did, or grandfather or grandmom did, but I think they know the benefit of having masses said for their loved ones. And whenever whenever we say we're praying for them, I've never had someone not say, well, thank you, thank you, Father, thank you, Chaplain. So people do uh, appreciate our prayers. And so one of the things I get to do as a chaplain and as a, now as an auxiliary bishop for the military archdiocese is to continue to go to those funerals and continue to offer Masses for those who have died and to bring that comfort to their family members. Well, friends, I think that's a great reminder for us right here to pray for those who have died, to go to Mass on Memorial Day. And I'm already thinking about what's going to be happening at Jefferson Barracks National Cemetery on Memorial Day, the importance of stopping, and not just, as the bishop said, celebrating the beginning of summer, but stopping to remember the real reason we have Memorial Day. And perhaps this is the year that I will take the kids to that memorial service. And I would encourage you, find out what's going on in your part of our listening area. I know there are Memorial Day observances throughout the country, and perhaps there's one near you that you can participate in or offer your prayerful support for. Your Excellency, I, I can't thank you enough for the time you've spent with us today. Could I ask you to offer a prayer or a blessing for our listeners? Absolutely, and I thank you very, very much for the opportunity to, to say hello to the many, many friends I made in St. Louis. I was there for a little over three years living at the uh, the new cathedral, as we call it, and I just love Lindell Boulevard and the Forest Park. It was such a wonderful part of St. Louis. And I've been to the Veterans Hospital there several times, and Jefferson Barracks, so we have lots and lots of veterans in the St. Louis area. 
So a, a shout out to all those who work in our veterans' hospitals and to all those who are taking care of our veterans. And if I could just offer my vicious blessing, may Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, you're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back after this. We are midway through the week, and we are talking about ways to spread mercy on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Here with another way to spread mercy is Patty Schneier. Well, I want to take us back to the year of mercy. Remember a few years ago when Pope Francis, he proclaimed a year of mercy. That was a beautiful year. I loved that title. I loved that whole year of journeying and pondering about mercy. The first thing I want to ask everybody listening right now is, what do you remember from the year of mercy? What did you learn? How did you grow in mercy from that year? And what can you tap into from that year of mercy? I remember specifically one thing that I learned from the year of mercy, and it was a new definition of mercy. And I learned it from Bishop Rice when I heard him give a homily. And I think he was probably quoting a pope, Pope John Paul II, or maybe it was Pope Francis. I don't remember who he was quoting, but I just know I learned it from Bishop Rice. And he said, mercy is entering the chaos of another person's life. Mercy is entering the chaos of another person's life. You're entering the messiness. You're entering the dysfunction with no expectation, just love. Boy, that was a challenge for me, a huge challenge. So I remember Bishop Rice asking, and now I'm going to ask all of you, who is the person that you've written off in your life? Reach out to that person and do something for that person. That is spreading mercy. And like I said, it's a challenge for me, but that's what I remember from the year of mercy, and I just want to pass that along to everyone listening today. Mercy is entering the chaos of another person's life. Who can you do that for today? Once again, you've brought us challenging homework, but necessary homework here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Patty, thank you. Today, um, so it's Wednesday, May 25th. Today is Padre Pio's birthday, and in celebration of this, friends are sharing quotes and images of Padre Pio, and I want to turn to this one that uh, someone shared this morning. It's a quote from St. Padre Pio, who said, Abandon yourself into the hands of Mary. She will take care of you. And I think that's, you know, very fitting, not just today, but every day. Every day, abandon yourself in the hands of Mary. She will take care of you. It's uh, something that I have lived through experience over the last 20 years in particular of my life. And uh, her, her care is really why I have such strong devotion to her. Can I ask you to join me in praying through the intercession of St. Joseph this morning? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. To you, O blessed Joseph, do we come in our tribulation, and having implored the help of your most holy spouse, we confidently invoke your patronage also. Through that charity which bound you to the Immaculate Virgin Mother of God, and through the paternal love with which you embraced the child Jesus, we humbly beg you graciously to regard the inheritance which Jesus Christ has purchased by his blood, and with your power and strength to aid us in our necessities. 
O most watchful guardian of the Holy Family, defend the chosen children of Jesus Christ. O most loving Father, ward off from us every contagion of error and corrupting influence. O most mighty protector, be propitious to us from heaven and assist us in our struggle with the power of darkness. And as you once rescued the child Jesus from deadly peril, so now protect God's holy church from the snares of the enemy and from all adversity. Shield to each one of us by your constant protection, so that supported by your example and your aid, we may be able to live piously, to die holily, and to obtain eternal happiness in heaven. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, I I was reminded by uh, our conversation with Bishop Coffey about the importance of just preparing what we want to do spiritually. I mean, there were so many things he talked about, but that's one big takeaway I have. And we talk about this every week, but I want to maybe reemphasize this in a different way as we approach the holiday weekend. Um, For my family, I've been blessed to know the importance of Memorial Day. Not only is it the unofficial start of summer, but it is a day that we remember so many of our fallen servicemen and women who have given their lives in service of that of our country. Um, and that's the primary thing. But it also is the unofficial start, and for my kids, the official start of summer vacation. And that's where a lot of temptation comes in to say, we're going to make this trip, or we're going we're gonna to travel, or we're going to do this. I just want to urge you, in all of your plans for summer, build in some spiritual activities and do not neglect the obligation to go to Sunday Mass. Now, I'm happy to say that um, not next week, but the week after, we are going to have some ideas for some spiritual activities you can do this summer on some one-tank trips or there and back again trips, as I like to call them. One day, you don't have to stay the night anywhere for everyone in our listening area, all the way up to Peoria, out to Jefferson City, down to southeastern Missouri, here in St. Louis and Springfield, Illinois, and beyond. So we're going to have some ideas for you from Monsignor Michael Witt and a few other guests, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Friday, we have our Roadmap Roundup, and we invite you to join us for that at 7 a.m. And then next week, uh, well, you'll just have to tune in. We've got some good stuff in store for you next week as well. In the meantime, let's give thanks to God for this show. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I want to thank Father Mitch Pacwa for taking the time to be with uh, us to speak with me while I was down in Birmingham, and I'd like to thank Bishop Coffey, Bishop Joseph Coffey, for taking the time to call in and share so much of his story with us as well. For Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven this morning. Don't forget to pray your rosary today, and don't be afraid to abandon yourself into our Blessed Mother's care. <laughs>